الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والله متم نوره ولو كره الكافرون صدق الله العلي العظيم من respected علماء الذين بدرسين الاسلام before starting our talk proper Let's mention one sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Now we read our Maghrib salah, and after the Maghrib salah, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "A person who reads six rakats after the Maghrib salah, then Allah subhanahu wa taala will give him the reward of twelve years of ibadat." Just by reading six rakats after Maghrib salah, we we'll get the reward of twelve years of ibadat. So, mashallah, we already two sunnah tamawkada. Many of us read our two rakats nafal. Allah say, ideally, to read two rakats sunnah and six rakats thereafter, two, two, two. But if a person is lazy, or maybe nowadays not so much of time, then read at least two rakats sunnah tamawkada, another four rakats thereafter. So we are reading six rakats after the maghrib salah. Ideally, to read six rakats besides the two. But if a person doesn't have the time, or he hasn't started reading at least four rakats after the two, so altogether six rakats, a person will get the reward of twelve years of ibadah. And in one narration it comes that all a person's sins will be forgiven, even if they are equal to the forms of the. Ocean. Well, I've referred to this salat as salatul awwabin. In the morning, also chast salat is also referred to as salatul awwabin, or this is salatul tawwabin. It is a salat where a person is making tawbah and asking Allah Taala for forgiveness. So that is why Allah reward, removes all the sins from a person. So we should try to decide this, read the salat every night. Allah give us tawfiq. Once in a while, we get a chance. If you read twenty rakats after the maghrib salat, like on the big nights, maybe in the month of Ramadan, then read twenty rakats on that night. Then one palace will be built of gold for that person in Jannah. So when we get the opportunity, sometimes once in a while, at least once in our lifetime, at least we read twenty rakats after the Maghrib salah. And then after the Isha salah, is Qiyamul Layl. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, "Alaykum Qiyamul Layl." Hold firm unto Qiyamul Layl, standing up at night. For in the Abu Salihin, a kablakum, it is the way of the pious people before you, and it's a means of removal of sins. It is a means of Uh, um, forgiveness of sins, manhatun anil ism. It helps, gives power to a person to abstain from sins, and it's a means of getting closest to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And in one narration, it, it is mentioned, it removes sicknesses from a person. So the actual time for tahajjud salat for qiyamul layl is the last portion of the night, the last one sixth of the night. That's the ideal time, the best time for it. But the ulama say that actually tahajjud and qiyamul layl starts off immediately after the isha salat. After you read your four rakats sunnat uh, faraz of Isha and two rakats sunnat, then before witr salah, the time of qiyamul layl has started already. So, if a person, if you can wake up in the last portion of the night, mashallah, mubarak, that's the best. As our buzurks give a nice example of this, they say that the tahajjud in the last portion of the night is like biryani, and the tahajjud in the early portion of the night is like dal, dal roti. So now, with the hope of getting, inshallah, I might get biryani. Don't mess up the dal roti. Eat the dal roti. And when you wake up three, four o'clock in the morning and you smell the biryani, you'll enjoy the biryani also. But it mustn't happen that you miss the biryani and the dal also. So they say, at least after Isha salah, read two rakats, four rakats extra, with the intention of qiyamul layl, tahajjud salat. And then, inshallah, if Allah gives tawfiq and ability, we are waking up in the last portion of Mubarak. Read another four rakats. But if you're not waking up, then they say this is like a starter pack. Contract is four o'clock in the morning. Starter pack is 
after Isha Salah. So if a person is not on contract, he got no phone at the moment, no connection, at least start a starter pack. You got a starter pack, soon you'll come onto contract. But if you're not even going on a starter pack, you're not going to get no connection then. So this is a very simple way to get connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tahajjud salat. And the ulama, there's one hadith which comes in the Bishra, Allah said on the day of Qiyamah, it will be said, we are those people, where are those people who's separated their sides from their beds? So a group of people will stand up. And there will be a small number of people. It will be said to them, enter into Jannah directly. So our Buzruks mention, our pious people mention, that there will be one Jamaat of people going into Jannah. If you are not waking up 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, you're not in the front of the Jamaat, but make sure you're not in the back, you're not out of the back of the Jamaat. So when they're walking front, this will be in the, in the back somewhere because you were reading the Qiyamul Layl, even though it was in the early portion of the night. But so simple, read two rakats, four rakats, and we'll inshallah will also get the reward of Qiyamul Layl. It's so lazy to stand and read the Salah, sit down and read, you'll get half the sawab. But at least inshallah your name will be there somewhere, right in the back with the last person, but inshallah you'll also enter into Jannah without any hisab kitab. So these are very simple amal and actions. Allah grant all of us to to make amal, inshallah. The last section, inshallah, of this program, the global impact of the ulama of Deoband. In the beginning, we will just mention some testimonials from senior ulama wide, worldwide, great, great ulama, and what they mentioned about Deoband when they went to Deoband itself. Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Khudda, rahmatullahi a very famed Syrian Hanafi scholar, an author of many, many kitabs, and throughout the world he's famed as a very great scholar. So he says, it was my lifelong, my lifelong wish and dream to visit the center of knowledge. Praise be to Allah Ta'ala who has today honored me with visiting and viewing the Darul Ulum, thereby fulfilling this old dream of mine. What I had seen today is far beyond the expectations I had and what I had heard regarding it. The light of knowledge emanates from every inch of this blessed institute, wherein the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught and the laws of deen and sharia explained and elucidated upon in a most unique method, unique, systematic, and intellectually enhancing high-minded manner from which shines forth the spiritual effulgence of the pious and the effects of the ulama and researchers. It is the mere favor of Allah Ta'ala that I have had the honor of listening to part of the hadith lesson regarding Banu Salima conducted by Sheikh Muhaddis Sayyid Fakhruddin Ahmad Muradawadi who gave the bayan in Arabic out of consideration for me. He says, I would like to express one of our desires or rather, I am demanding one of our rights that the ulama should translate their rare findings, unique research and masterpieces which were the products of their unique intellects into Arabic which should then be widely distributed in the Arab world thereby tremendously benefiting our Arab ulama. The reason why this obligation should get first priority is that when one studies the books of these research scholars of India, there's an Arab Syrian alim, very great alim he's mentioning, one finds such unique research, which apart from being based on profound knowledge and deep study, is also powered by piety, righteousness, and spirituality. Since the ulama of India not only fully possess the qualities of piety, righteousness, spirituality, and profound knowledge, but are in fact the perfect examples and true inheritors of the Salafi Salihin, the pious predecessors. Therefore, their works are inundated with benefit. And he said, This is the grace of Allah, and Allah grants it to whomsoever he wishes. 
In fact, you will find in their books those aspects of knowledge which is not even found in the works of the great ulama, mufassirin, muhaddithin, and hukama of former times. But with remorse and regret, we are forced to say that most of these masterpieces are in the Urdu language. Although this is the common language of Islamic language of India, yet it, it is clear it does not hold the rank which Arabic does due to Arabic being so universally used and due to it being the special language of Islamic knowledge. For this reason, if these priceless researches and findings, which are the exclusive accomplishments of our Indian ulama, are kept bound within the Urdu language and not translated into Arabic, I fear that we, the Arabs, will be deprived of a lot which will be unfair upon us on your part and will be of great det detriment to ilm and deen. Then he says, that this great madrasa of Deoband is like a radiant sun which has illuminated various parts of India. It revived the sunnat academically, practically, and in terms of suluk and the sawuf, and it removed the darkness of bid'ah, innovation, which was found in these lands for a lengthy time. Still in India, you get many, many places of bid'ah and innovations, but the ulama have made great, great efforts to remove whatever they could as far as possible. He says it stripped the pools of knowledge and sharia from all that which was alien to the shariat, in the same way that it stripped the suluk of the Sufis from customs, such as dancing and singing and instruments which they used in those times, of the gatherings of bidah and innovation, which was prevalent in India at that time. So he says, uh, then and another person, Sheikh Muhammad Mahrus al-Azmi, a mudarris of Baghdad, he says, today for me is a special day of my life. No day of my life can equal it, except the day I entered the Kaaba Sharif. Alhamdulillah, I entered the Kaaba three times. On the first occasion, I was overcome with an amazing sensation, which is not possible for me to explain or interpret. Today I have entered your institute. Had it not been for the holiness of the, of the house of Allah Ta'ala, which is the purest land of earth, I would have said that my happiness today is like my happiness on that day. However, the Kaaba has got a holiness of its own. The fame of your institute has spread throughout the world and has found mention in all the lands. By Allah, he who gave it the name, the Azhar of India, has been unfair to it. Some people said it's the Azhar of India. I said they're unfair. It is more appropriate to compare Azhar to it and to confer Azhar with the title, the Dioban of the Arab lands. He said, I myself have studied at Azhar and I've seen the, the fame of this lands. <coughs> Sheikh Muhammad Hassan, he too of Kuwait, a Shafi scholar, He's an expert in the usul al-fiqh. He says the position of your institute is not hidden from anyone who has the slightest connection with the knowledge of Islamic Sharia, not in the past and not at present either. This institute's fame and mention has become widespread. It has reached all lands and people. By Allah and Allah is my witness, tears flow from my eyes when I see you people sitting on the carpeted floors in front of the ulama and mashayikh, just as the Salaf al-Salihun would sit on the ground, not on tables and chairs. He said, it is this humility of the seating posture which produced great ulama. Because knowledge will come through humility. And we did the hadith earlier on where Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, came to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He put his knees by the knees of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The ulama said, this is the best way of acquiring knowledge. A person sits in the shahud position and he put, how they start sitting in the class and they pass on the knowledge from heart to heart. He said, when we began sitting on chairs and stands, we emerged from our universities ignorant. Subhanallah, Sheikh Muhammad Faham of Egypt, who once was the Sheikh Al-Azhar, 
He says, from a long time I had the desire of seeing Darul Ulum Dioband. The desire of mine increased day by day. I actually made dua to Allah Ta'ala that at the time of my death should not arrive before I get a chance to witness Darul Ulum. Alhamdulillah, my desire has been fulfilled and I will never forget this experience. What I have seen here with my own eyes was far superior to death which I have heard regarding it. This Darul Ulum is a fortified fort from amongst the forts of Islam. Another great alim says, Sheikh Muhammad al-Hassan, one of the most senior ulama of Mauritania. He was an expert in every field. And he was very uh, Sufi Sheikh, very firm in following the Sunnah. He said, the ulama of India are ajib, wonderful and amazing. They are very strong Sunnis in their aqidah and beliefs. One former Imam of the Haram of Makkah, Sheikh Abdullah bin Subayl. So one day when Ali Mukhalaq graduated in Jehovah and invited Sheikh Abdullah bin Subayl, the old Imam of the Haram, for a meal. Two Arab ulama of Riyadh were also present and they introduced themselves to one another. And the ulama, Alim said, I had studied in Jehovah. So the other two visitors took offense and they started speaking about the ulama and the Muslims of India. They are mushriks, polytheists, grave worshippers, mubtadi'een, bidatis, innovators. So Sheikh Abdullah bin Subayr asked him, have you been to India? So they said, they replied in the negative. So he said, I visited India. I have been with these people and I have scrutinized them inside out. They are 100% staunch muwahids whose beliefs are 100% correct. And in the matter of the love of Rasulullah and his sunnah, they surpass us by far. Remember himself, he was a Salafi, but he was not an extremist Salafi. So he then said, according to me, the ulama of Diyawban are serving at least 50% of the ummah in deen. 50% of the ummah being served by deen. By deen, by deen. Sheikh Muhammad Awama, Hafizahullah, is still living now. He was living in Medina Munawara now, he's living in Turkey. So he came to South Africa, they had the, the Mu'tamar many about 2014 or so. And they had all the ulama of the, uh, of the world, different, different ulama they invited. And it was actually to appreciate the, the services of Murana Qasim Nanopi Rahmatullahi in the Islamic world. So he says, in, in, in his bayan he mentioned this point here. Yeah? I wish to say a few words regarding this great Imam, Murana Qasim Nanotwi who Allah sent to this world in this latter era out of his kindness and a bounty upon us as an evidence and proof for us in these latter days and as a reminder of the great individuals who passed us in earlier eras. I regard this great man as a great role model from amongst our ulama and elders, specifically with regards to the ikhlas in his actions. We can understand ikhlas and sincerity, how much of power it has got. He said this man witnessed the fitna of the British who colonized India and enslaved the inhabitants. He made dua to Allah Ta'ala to guide him towards such good by which the Muslims could be saved. It was Allah's will to honor him in a dream in which he saw Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam instructing him to establish a madrasa for the imparting of shari knowledge. He said it started with one teacher and one student. It continued progressing until now when more than 150 years have passed. He says for years I have been trying to find out from the ulama of India and Pakistan an approximate figure of the branches of Darul Ulum Dioban around the world. Once a senior alim from Karachi, Sheikh Muhammad Amin Harwali visited me. He's a principal of a huge madrasa in Pakistan, Karachi. So I asked him, how many madrasas have you got? He said, in Karachi alone, Darul Ulum Dioban has more than 30,000 branches. In Karachi alone, he's got more than 30,000 branches. He said, even if you say this is an exaggeration, whereas this alim is a truthful person, let's take half that number, 15,000. One of the ulama who is personally involved in the running of Wifaqul Madaris in Pakistan 
said to me in response of this question, I have no idea of the number of branches. All I can tell you is that the students affiliated to Wifakul Madaris in Pakistan alone, whose names are recorded in our registers, numbers 1,700,000. This is Pakistan. This is the fruit of a single teacher and a student. In actual fact, it is a fruit of ikhlas and sincerity. May Allah reward him on our behalf and the whole Muslim Ummah with the best of rewards. On great alim, uh, he says that Allah granted this weak servant the ability to travel to more than 40 countries in connection with deen. The servant has been to a place where there is six months day and six months night. He has been to Siberia where he can only see snow and howling winds. We even perform salah on the snow. He has seen the place referred to as the end of the world. The government has written this there that since during the month of June there is one day in which 100,000 people gather together to see a spectacular sight. The sun comes close to the ocean, ready to set. Instead of setting, it rises again. <laughs> For this reason, the scientists refer to it as the end of the world. Say the servant has been seen as jungles of Africa and maybe the concrete jungles of America. Wherever this weak one went, in urban areas or rural areas, on the tops of mountains or deep down in valleys, I have seen some spiritual son of Darul Ulum Dioban doing some effort of deen. Darul Ulum Dioban has attained so much of acceptance. One of my friends was telling me once, in China, they went to one masjid, and a year one person, Alhamdulillah, Ali, Zati, Azim, Istifat. Surprise, person was surprised. Shah Ismail Shahid, Rahmatullah, is khutbah. He asked the person, where you heard this? He said, no, I was in Dabil many years ago, and I studied there. And now he's in China, and he was giving the khutbah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given it such acceptance. What is the... This is from my, okay, this, this last two incidents I'll mention before I will mention a few incidents, inshallah, and we will complete. Qadritayyib sahab rahmatullahi says, my father, he was once by the Nizam of Dakan, the ruler of the state of Hyderabad, for some work. And the Nizam said to him, in our Hyderabad state, two graduates of Darul Ulum Dioband were appointed to administrative positions in our certain area. The report we got regarding them was they've excelled, and they completed their duties meticulously. Properly, they did it. My heart desires to take on the entire expenditure of Darul Ulum upon my shoulders and upon the state. We'll pay fully for it. And to such, start such a system within the Darul Ulum to produce such individuals, like these two graduates who are working for the state, who are capable of officially running our state and government, and will take care of the people's deen and do the work of dunya as well. So, Mawlana Muhammad Ahmad, his father, he said, You know what? I have to make mashwara. I will consult with the ulama of Jehovah. He made mashwara with Shaykh Ulind Rahmatullah who was his teacher. So Shaykh Ulind Rahmatullah said, I hope you never make any promise. He said, I never make any promises. I said, we'll make mashwara. Their proposal is they will bear the expenses and keep the madrasa running. So Shaykh Ulind Rahmatullah said, our senior is Mulana Rashid Ahmad Gangoy Rahmatullah. Let's go and ask him, make mashwara with him. So when they put the proposal to him, as Gangoy Rahmatullah asked the same question. I hope you never make any promises. I never make any promises. I said, Mashwara will decide. So, Murana Gangoy Rahmatullah said, Remember, we started this madrasa with the following basic aims and objectives. We can have teachers available for the makatib and madaris to teach the children their deen. Muazzins and imams and lecturers available for the masajid. Da'is and muballigs to be created to propagate the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tabligh jamaat, all these da'is have been created. Competent writers and compilers on Islamic sciences are produced. Qadis and muftis to be produced, 
and debaters to defend Islam are created. Inform the Nizam that we have not established this madrasa to run the administrative affairs of his state of Hyderabad. You see, this is the actual object why this madrasa was formed. Our Sheikh and Ustad Mur Abdul Hamid Sahib Barakatu mentions that Darul Ulum Dioban has not only produced ulama, but has produced Darul Ulums throughout the world, running on the same thinking and ideology, whether it's South Africa, England, America, Australia, Malaysia, Thailand. Ulama serving deen in their own individual capacity can be found around the entire world. The primary makatib established by graduates of Darul Ulum Dioban are found spread across the world. The Bligi Jamaat is a product of Darul Ulum which has brought about such a revolution in the world. This, in America, we all know, maybe about 30 or 40 years ago, where Juma Salat used to be performed on Sunday. You read Juma Namaz on, on Sunday. And when Jamaat came here, there was like no form of Islam, no masajid. I had one incident from Colonel Amiruddin Saab, uh, Rahmatullahi. He was in South Africa many years ago, so he gave this incident. It's a very inspiring incident. So he says that when we came that time to America, in Jamaat, so to find Muslims was extremely difficult. So eventually we made mashwara, and they decided we must go to one club. Because we, there was a, we heard some Palestinian people in a club, so they made mashwara, we must go and meet this brother Ahmed. And the name of the club was Khaybar Pass. What's the name, Khaybar? Khaybar Pass, and his name was Ahmed. So he said, you know, because of mashwara we went, and you see, in those times, remember, many times we were kicked out, there was few masajid. We couldn't even enter those masajid, we were kicked out of the masajid. We used to perform salat on ice sometimes, outside the masajid. And sometimes we were taken and beaten up and taken to courts, and we were fined for trying to spread the deen of Islam. In those times, many times they would come to these countries and look in the telephone books to try to see the names of Muslim people to go and make them for jola, for gush. You can imagine what conditions, mashallah, today we can see the effects of those people's qurbani and sacrifice. So he says that we went to this club now. I never want to go, but because Mashwara decided, so I went and we knocked on the door and one lady comes there. She opens and she's like practically naked. One, two parts of her body are covered. And uh, she says, what do you want to see? We came, want to see Ahmed. She says, Ahmed, darling, these people want to meet you. He said, like a small chicken. He came, he came forward, like she had full control over him. When he came there, he sees us with turbans, beards, kurtas, jubbas. He's shocked. He said, what do you people want here? We, see, we came to see what's inside here. Uh, we are men also. We also want to see what's inside. So anyhow, he was shocked now. So he invited them inside. So Colonel Saab, he said, I was, I was shaking from head to toe. My, my body was, and he was a person who was a lot of credit for Dean. He used to get very upset. He said, I went inside there and I see there's music playing, there's red lights, and there's all tables, wine on the tables, uh, all Arab people sitting, and American, beautiful American girls on their legs, sitting on their laps. And he said, I was shaking, I was very upset. But anyhow, I gathered all of those brothers together, and I started speaking to them. He said, I learned Arabic many years ago, when I was in Syria for one year or whatever. I traveled quite a bit, so I learned Arabic. So I started speaking and I started giving dawah to those people. For one hour I spoke and I explained to them the responsibilities. And I started crying and they started crying. And eventually after the, the lecture, I made tashkil. And 14 brothers got up and they got ready to spend four months in the part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, alhamdulillah, from their cash, they went out in the part of Allah ta'ala. 
And eventually they came back and they became the Amiris and the leaders of, of the work of Dawat and Tablig in Central America. Where exactly, I don't know what place it was. But this, I heard this incident myself from him in Azadwal. He says then, we were about to leave and one lady comes to us. She was a dancer there by the name of Jean, an Afro-American girl. And her husband also, he was a drummer. So the two of them came to us. And she says that you have spoken to him, but you never speak to us about whatever. It was in Arabic. So she, she didn't know Arabic. Explain to me what you are speaking about. So she, he explained that about Islam and I've come to give da'wah to the Muslims. So she said, well, I also want to become a Muslim. He said, you're very lucky. You've got the desire within yourself. So he says, uh, okay, to read, become a Muslim, you must read La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. He explained to her kalima, and this way you'll become a Muslim. She said, if I become a Muslim, what must I do? She said, okay, you must do four things. If you do these four things, then the reality of Islam will come into your heart. And so what are the four things? He said, the first thing you must do, ibadat. Five times a day you perform salat, you fast in the month of Ramadan, you go for hajj, if you've got money, you give zakat. I gave her one book, and there was all messiah in that book. Try to read this book. And there are Muslims around America. If you have a problem, you try to ask the Muslim people. If not, you send me a letter. I will try to help you. He was from Canada. First thing. Second thing he says, that uh, daily, have some ta'aleem in the home. Read from the kitab, Fazail Amal. The Hazrat Sheikh al-Hadith, uh, that time Hazrat Sheikh Rahmatullah was still living. So he said, you must read the kitab of this person. Inshallah, it will have a great effect on you. And the third thing he said is, that whatever weakness you've got within yourself, you must give da'wat. Speak about it. Encourage other people. Because he said, your ears are closest to your mouth. So when you will give da'wat, whatever aspects are not in your life, it will eventually come into your life. It will become easy for you now to practice on those aspects of life. And the fourth thing he told her was, I want you to wake up in the last portion of the night, the hajjud time. And you perform salah there and you read Quran. But she said, I don't know, I'm just accepted Islam. I don't know what Quran is, how to read Quran. He said, no, you just stand up and then you pray, learn to perform salah and then you make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I do not know how to read Quran and you cry to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with these tears of yours, Allah will make you a means of hidayah for the entire America. And she said, that's all he said, that's all he said. But one more thing, uh, if you're going to give da'wah and call other people towards Islam, then remember Allah will not take work of deen from a person unless you don't change your external also. So he said the kind of clothing you're wearing is inappropriate for a Muslim person. So make sure you cover your whole body. Cover your whole body. Cover your, your hair in it. And that time there was no such thing as niqab in America. Today, mashallah, how many women are in niqab? They cover their faces. That time to find one woman. So he told her that at least keep your, cover your whole body. If your face is open, it's okay. But the ideal will be for you to cover your face completely. Because there was no environment. And this is a woman who just accepted Islam. So he said if you can, you cover your face. And... And, and you love as a, as a decent person, as a, as a Muslim person. So anyhow, she accepted. He left. Three months later, he says, I get a phone call, half past two in the morning. This lady phoned me. She's very worried. She said, I've got a big problem. He said, what can be a problem half past two in the morning? And it wasn't the time of cell phones. In the 1970s, if somebody had to make a phone call overseas, it was very costly. And maybe it was that now they should have the exchange or whatever. Some of us weren't even born at that time. So we, don't, we can't even believe a time people lived without cell phones. So it was like a, they had a different kind of exchange, etc. You have to, to phone another country. A lot of money it costs. He said, so much of money it costs, why didn't you send me a letter? She said, if all the money which I had in my life, I had to spend it, to learn one masala of deen, it will be cheap. 
we have understood the value of deen. Hazrat uh, Umar said that the people who will understand the value of deen is a person who lived in jahiliyat. People who lived in jahiliyat, they only will appreciate deen. A person who never he grew up in a house of a tabligi, of an alim, he doesn't appreciate deen so much as a person who lived a life of ignorance and he comes out of that life and he comes into a life of deen. Because he understands, he made some sacrifices and qurbani. So as Umar said at this point, so anyhow she said, I appreciate, she said, see Colonel Saab, after you gave me the dawat, I went into full cloak, I covered my face also. And I started doing those four amal and actions which you told me. He said, Alhamdulillah, I continued for a short period of time and I actually felt the sweetness of iman coming in my heart. He says, I was worried, me and my husband, our family people are going to the fire of Jahannam. We call them in one house, two houses. We put the men separate and the women separate because Islam does not allow intermingling of sexes. Khalil Sahib told us that time, he said, this woman has accepted Islam three months ago and she also knows that there is no such thing as mixed parties in Islam. There is separation between the men and males and females. He said, we call them today, we separated them and then we gave them da'wah, we wanted to save them from the fire of Jahannam. Whether they accepted or not, she never mentioned, he never mentioned to us that time. And then he says, she says, since that day you told me I made sure I cover my face, but a very important thing has happened today. I'm very worried. She says, what happened? So she says, I was going on a bus today. I had some work. So when I got onto the bus, I, I tried to catch hold of the bar to get onto the bus. And when I put my hand up, my sleeve slipped down and four inches of my body was exposed. And she says, half past two in the morning, she's crying. And she curls up. Will this portion burn in the fire of Jahannam? Will this portion burn in the fire of Jahannam? Three months ago, she was a, a naked woman. And now the reality of Iman had entered the heart. She's asking, will this portion burn in the fire of Jahannam? He said, what answer could I give her? And she's crying. I told her, you know what? Your thought is enough to save you from the fire of Jahannam. Never mind the action which you are doing. Just your thought is enough to save you from the fire of Jahannam. And then she said, well, what must I do? He said, just take an elastic and put it around your sleeve. And inshallah, this will, in future, when you're ever going out somewhere, you've got the elastic, inshallah, it'll hold your sleeve. Nothing will happen. He says, then I understood that this woman is flying on the high skies of Iman, and I'm still stuck on the ground. So anyhow, subhanAllah, this is an incident he mentioned about America itself. So mashallah, today we look at the effects of Darul Unjob and the Tabligh Jamaat. Wherever you go in the world, as Mufti Taqi Usmani or Mufti Rafi Usmani, sahab, rahmatullahi, down barakatum, Mufti Rafi Usmani, rahmatullahi, I think it was his kitab, or it was Mufti Takisabs, one of them. They went into one area in Syria or one of the Arab countries. And they said they went to two places, and they were nearby one another. And the one place we find, mashallah, people in kurta, women in hijab, and there's a dini environment. And a few kilometers away I went, and I see the people are completely far from deen. And there's no effect of deen in their lives. So I was quite surprised and shocked by this year. So I asked the people the, the, the reason for this. They say, no, the first place they allow jamaats to come there, so the Jamaat has been making an effort there, so the people's lives all changed. And the other place, they don't allow Jamaats to come there. So because of that, there's no, there's no deen in these people's lives. They've gone far away from the, the deen of Islam. So subhanAllah, this is the, the work of the Tablik Jamaat, which was Hazrat Mawlana Ilyas Rahmatullahi, that fikr and concern and kurhan and desire which he had in his heart, that how can his deen spread to every single person, to every house it must go to, the uh, Bleak Jamaat, mashallah, over 190 countries where uh, Jamaats have gone to. And how many people's lives have changed? One one Ishtima, people give lives. Recently we went to Malawi and uh, they made Tashkil in the one masjid, the long way masjid. So, our oh, Ustad Mulan Abdullah Malawi made a Tashkil. Normal bayan he gave. 
So now I see people standing up. They said four months every year. So I see the local brothers of Malawi standing up. About, I think, I, I counted, I started counting, 30 brothers standing up. So I said, maybe these people don't understand English. They must be seeing four months in a lifetime. So after the program, I asked the brother that uh, these people understand like, it's four months every year. He said, Alhamdulillah, because in our masjid, 60 people, or 40 or 60 people give four months every year. Local brothers, poor people. They got nothing at all. He said, what they do? They buy one bag of flour, millimil, 12 and a half kilos, and they go for four months in the part of Allah. They use it every day to take it, put a little bit of water, that's their food, in the jungles, where and where they go, and they spread the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah, what qurbani and sacrifice. And then you see there, mashallah, we, we, we went to some places, some villages, where a person comes, some of our students, they, they, they started in a place, there was nobody, no deen at all. Now, mashallah, within two years, three years, there's uh, 500 people coming for Jumu'ah Salah, 1,000 people coming for Jumu'ah Salah, the madrasa is 250 people, 300 people. Little bit of effort, these people. One, one person, what in what efforts. And throughout the world, the deen is, of Allah Ta'ala is spreading. So through the tabligh jamaat, through the ulama who are making effort. Then Azimun Abdul Hamid Sahib mentioned, pure pristine tasawuf, which confirms to the sunnah, has been revived by the great ulama of Darul Ulum Jawman, like Mulana Ashwali Thanwi Rahmatullah These ulama defended Islam from Qadianism, Shiism, Modernism and all other strange isms. In politics, Hazrat Mulana Hussein Ahmad Madani Rahmatullah, following in the footsteps of his teacher, Shaykhul Hind, Mahmoudul Hassan Rahmatullah, was in the forefront. He says that Aligarh University was founded by Sir Sayyid at the same time Darul Ulum was established. His object and intentions were noble to create Muslim engineers, doctors, and other professionals who put Islam before their professions, but it failed that unfortunately even atheists were produced from it. It was mainly by the efforts of the Tabligh Jamaat that the tables were turned and it resembled a Muslim institution once again. Recently, the government of India had compelled them to remove the name Muslim to only Aligarh University. Don't say Aligarh Muslim University. Only Aligarh University. Till today, you don't get a second Aligarh University in the world, which is run on the same methodology and thinking. Jamia Azhar of Cairo, which is almost a thousand years old, you don't get many other Azhars. They might have one, two branches, a few branches in the world, but it's not really famous, this branch of Azhar, this branch of Azhar. If you want to go to Azhar, you have to go to Cairo. Medina University is sponsored by the Saudi government, the headquarters of the Salafis. It has got not no second university in the world, nor are there many makatib running under them. They have branches and centers, but the effect of Islam cannot be seen in them, even within that center. Their students cannot be identified as Muslims, even while studying let alone during the holidays or after graduation. Whereas in the institutes connected to Darul Ulum Dioban, students are encouraged to spend even the holidays in the part of Allah, in the company of the pious, and at least can be recognized as Muslims when they're at home. There are exceptions also. There are some naughty students in it. But generally, by and large, the effect of the environment can be seen in experience. The graduates of Darul Ulum Dioban or any of his branches should make abundant shukr to Allah Ta'ala that he has associated us and connected us with this great institution and school of thought in belief, philosophy, and ideology. In reality, there are not enough words or practices within our ability to express our shukr to Allah Ta'ala over this great bounty. The school of thought which belongs to the Ahlu Sunnah wal Jamaat is not restricted to any specific nation, race, geographical boundaries, or time. Throughout the world, even Arabs, mashallah, they have come to these madaris and have understood that the true deen is being promoted in these, in these madaris. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has really blessed us. That Allah Ta'ala has given us connection and affiliation
to these great madrasas. And as we mentioned, that throughout the world, uh, the global impact this madrasa has got. Let imagine here where India is and where America is. And mashallah, in America, the madrasas, the students, this one one madrasa, this madrasa itself, alhamdulillah, how many people, deen is coming into the lives of people, the knowledge of deen, there's the, the outward dressing of deen, a person looks like a Muslim, an Islamic identity is being created. All of these are the, the products of Darul Ulum Dioband. So Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us, let us take full benefit. As I mentioned, Dioband is not actually the name of a, uh, it's the name of an institute, but a Dioban doesn't mean it's a person who's following an institute. A Dioband is a person who's following the Ahlus Sunnah Wal Jamaat. It's just that it happened that our nisbat and our connection to our Ustad is from Dioband. But otherwise, we are not Diobandis, we are Muslims. We are Ahlus Sunnah Wal Jamaat, and we are following the Hanafi Mazhab, the Shafi Mazhab, the Maliki Mazhab. And that is why in our madaris, in our madrasas, we do not teach kitabs of today's times. The kitabs which are taught, are taught by the, the of the mutaqaddimin ulama. Uh, you don't learn any uh, India ulama's kitabs, but the kitabs we learn tafsir of Baydawi, tafsir of Jalalain, Allama Suyuti, Rahmatullahi. The kitabs of hadith we are learning, Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim's kitab, Nasayid, Abu Dawood, Tirmizi. Uh, the ulama have mentioned that the khidmat of the Sinan ulama have mentioned that the khidmat of hadith which Allah Ta'ala has taken from the ulama of Dioban in the hundred, past hundred years he said the work of, of hadith has been taken only from these ulama the, the shuruhat and the, the works they have written on Bukhari Sharif Muslim Sharif Tirmidhi Sharif these kitabs which have been written subhanallah the works which they have done so really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has really blessed them and uh, if I'm not mistaken one of the great mashaykh Mufti Taqi Usmani Sahib Da'un Barakatum he said, I went to Syria, and I went to visit one, or it was Jordan or Syria, and I went to visit one very great alim. He told us he's a very, very pious person. So I went to visit him, and when I went to visit him, he was sitting on the floor, and when I looked at his face, it was full of nur and full of light, and he was teaching one, two students in front of him. So when he asked, asked where are you coming from? He said, I come from Pakistan. He said, is there any deen there? He says, yes, we've got madrasas there. He says, what kitabs have you got? You're teaching those places. So he started giving the names Jalalain and Bukhari and Muslim and Hidayah and Nurul Anwar. You see, when this alim heard these names, he said, really? Are these kitabs being taught there? I'm shocked. He said, that it is these kitabs which will produce Rijalullah, the men of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People, the men of Allah will come out on these kitabs. You see, today, unfortunately, in the Arab world, such books are brought in today's, it's all modern books. The people of, who wrote those books, they did not have the taqwa, the piety of the pious predecessors. And he said they have completely destroyed the understanding of deen, the mizaj of deen, the temperament of deen, uh, the sweetness of deen. is not found in these books. It's not found in these people. So he said, hold very firm. Go back to your people in Pakistan and in those madrasas and tell them they must hold very firm onto those books. He said, unfortunately, today we are deprived of even hearing the names of those books in our countries. And you people are still teaching those kitabs. So he says that they, these are the kitabs which will produce the men of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rijalullah. Not men of steel, but the men of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah make us amongst those people also. And as I mentioned, uh, it comes in the Quran Sharif that Rabbana khfirlana wal ikhwanina alladheena sabakuna bin iman. Wala taj'al fi qulubina ghilla lilladheena amunu rabbana inna karaufur rahim. Then in this dua we are taught that Allah forgive our sins and those who have passed us before with iman. We are taught that we must appreciate the sacrifices of those people who came before us. So our elders, our nisbat, and many people, they, 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 they say this point here, yeah, that you always quote your ustad, you only quote your, your elders. So we should not feel shy about that. If you study hadith, you will see Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anha had many students. 
Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu had many students. Hazrat Anas radiallahu anhu had many students. When these students are quoting, they only quote their Ustad. Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu's students, they're only quoting him because they learned, they got the knowledge of Deen from, from him. And they didn't feel shy that I'm only quoting Abu Huraira, I'm not quoting from Anas radiallahu anhu. If you learn from two Ustad, you will quote two Ustads. If you learn from three Ustads, you'll quote three Ustads. But normally a person learns Deen from his Ustad, and the Senate goes to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they would quote their Ustads. They, where they've got their knowledge from. So a person should never feel shy, uh, inferiority complex, that I'm making this but in connection to my ustad. Uh, actually, this is a means of honor for a person. That this is my ustad, this is where I've got my knowledge from. So really, uh, Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq and ability. Inshallah, I hope that this uh, has opened up our eyes to many things and for us to appreciate this knowledge which we are getting and to bring these qualities into our lives to uh, appreciate when we appreciate Allah Ta'ala in shakaratum la azidan lakum malam yashkurin nas lam yashkurillah if you do not thank the people also then we have not thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we make dua for these great elders who actually brought deen to us in a pristine purity what sacrifices and qurbani they had made and it is through their efforts today whatever deen we've got just to read la ilaha illallah 1400 years after Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa with all the fitnas and the trials and tribulations and what and what people had tried to do to destroy the deen of Islam but what sacrifices these people made and today so simply for us that in, in year so far away we are living, but we can take the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with ease and comfort. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant myself and all of us true understanding, inshallah. Muhammad wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna minal khasirin. Allahumma thabitna ala al-iman wa amitna ala al-iman. واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع المتقين مع الإيمان اللهم استعملنا بسنته فتوفنا على ملته وجعلنا من حزبه ربنا اغفر لنا ولإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غل للذين آمنوا ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم اللهم طهر قلوبنا من النفاق وعمالنا من الرياء وألسنتنا من الكذب وعيوننا من الخيانة فإنك تعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور اللهم ألف بين قلوبنا وأصلح ذات بيننا واهدنا سبل السلام ونجنا من الظلمات إلى النور وجنبنا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن وبارك لنا في أسماعنا وأبصارنا وقلوبنا وأزواجنا وذرياتنا وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وجعلنا شاكرين لنعمتك مسنين بها قابليها وأتمها علينا ربنا أتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاد منه نبيك وحبيبك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله ما شاء الله لا قوة إلا بالله الحمد لله الذي بنعمته تتم الصالحات ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين آمين برحمتك